0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: Thanks to an HHS ruling, pharmacists now have the authority to prescribe and administer certain COVID-19 treatments. We'll talk about that next on Locked on Pharmacy. You are listening to the Locked On Pharmacy Podcast, the insider's view into the world of pharmacy. This is Frank Fortin for the American Pharmacists Association. Earlier this year, several pharmacy organizations, including APHA, asked the HHS to let pharmacists order and administer therapeutic treatments for patients who have been exposed to COVID-19. And recently, HHS said yes. This is a big deal. It's the latest in a series of rulings that dramatically expand pharmacists' roles during the pandemic. With me to discuss this is Elisa Bernstein, Senior Vice President of Pharmacy Practice and Government Affairs for APHA. Elisa Bernstein, welcome back to the program.
0: Thank you. Glad to be back.
1: So, Elisa, what did the HHS actually do?
0: This was a really big deal for pharmacies and pharmacists. The federal government, or HHS, they continue to recognize the access, the value, the resiliency of pharmacists and pharmacies. And when HHS authorized recently a therapy for post-exposure prophylaxis and healthcare systems were at capacity and they were in dire straits because of this more recent surge, pharmacists recognize that we can relieve this burden And so APHA and other pharmacy groups, we wrote to HHS, called them, met with them and said, put us in coach. Pharmacists can help here. And so what was announced recently is that at least for the duration of the pandemic, licensed pharmacists, we got the ability to order or prescribe and administer certain COVID-19 therapeutics. And then qualified pharmacists, um, pharmacy technicians, and licensed or registered pharmacy interns can administer these COVID-19 therapeutics. And there's a couple of caveats. First, the products have to be authorized, approved, cleared, or licensed by FDA. Second, they have we could only administer uh, them IM, sub Q, or oral. So IV route is not covered under this new uh, news. Certain training must be completed. Some of it is training that most pharmacists, interns, and technicians already have if they've gone through the immunization training, but there are some additional elements that are needed. The technician or intern has to be immediately and readily available, so they have to be on site, And um, but it could also be supervision by other qualified healthcare providers. As with other authorities that pharmacists got, we have to have current CPR certificates and then there's some record keeping requirements. So right now, this new authority only applies to certain monoclonal antibody therapies, but it could include other therapies that are authorized or approved in the future.
1: So the therapies themselves are important. Why else is this important to pharmacy?
0: Pharmacy and pharmacists have been asking for test and treat authority permanently um, under, in various ways to Congress and in, in the states for a long time. What this is, it's test, vaccinate, and treat. We now have the ability across the country to do this. And this is our opportunity to demonstrate that pharmacists can provide this important patient care services and um, that we need to make these permanent. We've been trying on several levels, APHA um, and the pharmacy community have been trying to demonstrate that we can do this after the pandemic. And this is the opportunity to to do it during the pandemic, collect data, collect case study, collect information and really demonstrate that um, they should be made permanent. The other really important thing about this new announcement is that it's forward thinking. So right now there are only certain monoclonal antibodies that are for IV and subcutaneous use. But when an oral therapeutic is authorized or approved, it'll be a lot easier for pharmacists around the country to order and prescribe those products.
1: You said something very important in the middle. In the middle of that, which is across the country. So this superset, supersedes any other state regulation or authority that may exist that might be a, more restrictive than this. Correct?
0: Yes, it does. So um, the the Prep Act, which is the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, it's been pharmacy's friend during the pandemic because. This law allows the secretary to issue a declaration that extends liability protection to people, to companies that manufacture, distribute, or administer medical countermeasures against whatever the public health threat is or emergency. And in this case, it's a COVID-19 pandemic. So in March of 2020, right at the start, the secretary declared that the PrEP Act uh, engage the PrEP Act for um, COVID, covering tests, vaccines, and drugs, and that there have been various amendments. So you've been hearing all these different authorities coming from for pharmacists, technicians, and interns through various amendments. And so what these different amendments are doing is providing immunity from liability related to whatever is covered in that amendment, whether it's testing, immunization, licensure, supervision. And in the most recent one, that immunity of liability is for the what I talked about earlier related to certain COVID th- therapeutics. And preemption is the key here. So that's how it gets across the country. And what preemption does is under this law, any state requirement that is more limiting related to licensure or scope of practice that would be um, that would stand in the way of a qualified person from prescribing, dispensing, or administering these tests. Those are overridden and that's basically what preemption is. So the federal law takes precedence here if the state is uh, more limited and that's why this is really important. So if under your current scope of practice, you are not allowed to prescribe these products than, or, or even do testing or vaccination for certain age groups. What the PREP Act did is it overrode that, those state laws and allows pharmacists across the country, as well as technicians and interns, that if you follow the letters and the requirements and the guardrails in these amendments, you um, the liability protection applies.
1: So let's talk a little bit about the therapeutics themselves. We're not going to get too much into the clinical aspects of this, but if you could talk at a, in a general sense what these therapeutics are, um, are and what's available, what's covered by this right now.
0: Yeah. So the the ninth amendment, which is the latest amendment, it co- it'll it covers COVID therapeutics that are authorized, approved, licensed, or cleared, and those are terms for um, FDA. Um, related to drugs, biologics, or devices. So this applies to products that prevent, um, treat, uh, and um, COVID-19. And like I said earlier, this only applies for those therapeutics that are given subcutaneously, intermuscularly, or orally. And it doesn't apply to any therapies that are currently authorized or approved that are given intravenously. That said, pharmacists can administer intravenously um, in under a certain scope of practice within states. So, if the state allows it, then uh, then pharmacists can administer intravenously under those the provisions allowed um, under your state. And it is happening in clinics. And ambulatory care settings, in um, health systems, in offices. So, um, But for, for pharmacists to prescribe, that it's limited to sub-Q, IM,
1: or oral. And there are some tests that are needed before these uh, therapeutics can be prescribed, right?
0: Yeah, so it's important because one of the elements of the the liability immunity that's in the act is that the product has to be used according to what's in the approval or authorization by FDA. And in, for the current product, which right now is Regen Cove, which is really the only uh, monoclonal antibody therapy that this applies to for sub-Q route, the, the, information in the authorization says that it it apply you have to have a SARS cov2 viral testing which are molecular tests such as pcr tests or antigen tests and antibody tests are not considered direct and um, can't be used to diagnose covid so basically a pcr or antigen test is what's needed
1: great. And uh, what about training? Um, What is needed to administer these? What kind of training is needed to administer these therapeutics?
0: According to the Ninth Amendment, you have to complete an ACPE-approved practical training that includes hands-on injection technique, clinical evaluation of indications and contraindications of the COVID-19 therapeutics, a recognition and treatment of emergency um, and adverse reactions to the therapeutics, and then any other additional training that is required by FDA in the approval or authorization. So what that means is is if, if a pharmacist, an intern or a technician has taken, for example, the APHA certificate training for immunization delivery, that meets the requirements for the hands-on injection technique and a general recognition and treatment of emergency reactions to COVID-19 therapeutics. Just recently, APHA released a CE program for specific to this Ninth Amendment for COVID-19 monoclonal antibody assessment and administration, and this adds the additional training that's needed for pharmacists, technicians, and interns specific to COVID-19 therapeutics, and so this would meet the requirements of the new authority. It addresses the clinical evaluation of indications, contraindications, and adverse events. The program's free. And to access it, I'm going to do a plug here. You can go to elearning.pharmacist.com library. That's elearning.pharmacist.com library. And we'll, we'll put, uh, maybe if you can put a direct link in the show notes, that would be great. And um, we are also at APHA. We have a a, a really really great. Um, I'm a little biased, but it's a really great <laughs> um, library of resources specifically for pharmacists that we have been developing and updating throughout the the pandemic. And we um, have some practice resources that are new specific to this and we've updated some and if you could put that link in the in the show notes that would be great too.
1: Will do. Alisa one of the questions that may come to mind for pharmacists listening to this is what's the reimbursement looking like for these uh, therapeutics?
0: Really good questions. Pharmacists are always wondering how to get paid for their services and um, this is in some ways a work in progress So, the reimbursement for monoclonal antibodies therapies under Medicare is more clear than under Medicaid in the States or under private. Medicare will cover and pay these injections the same way it covers and pays for COVID 19 vaccines. And the cost of the product, the monoclonal antibody, is covered by the federal government. So, that's good. So, there's no cost associated with the product itself. So, it's the administration. The administration is under Medicare Part B. So pharmacies that are enrolled in Medicare Part B can submit claims for administration and then being reimbursed. And the costs are relatively good. Reimbursements are about $450 for administration at a clinic or a pharmacy setting and $750 if the therapy is administered in a home setting. Depending on where you are in the country, that may vary a little bit, but that's the set amount that for Medicare. The um, indication, whether it's for treatment or prophylactic exposure, does not impact the reimbursement amounts. So that doesn't factor here, And but there are different codes. So you need to pay attention of what code is administered is, is included. Re- reimbursement is also available through HRSA's uninsured program. And so we encourage pharmacies to get enrolled in that program. And if you're giving COVID vaccines now, you're likely to already be enrolled in this program, but that's a really important way to get some coverage as well. The health plans and Medicaid is a whole different story. So CMS advises that private plans and Medicaid pay out at the same rates as Medicare, but that's not always the case. And a lot of this still is a work in progress. For Medicaid, it varies by states. So states are addressing this and looking at it right now. Same with the private health plans. you know, They all have to cover it, but at what rate they're covering it is, is another question. And uh, APHA has a resource, a very detailed, comprehensive billing resource that outlines how to enroll in Medicare Part B and the HRSA program and other information about billings if, and that hopefully you can put that in the show notes so and access that as well. And again, as we're getting more information about the billing situation, particularly for Medicaid and private, we'll be sure to update our resources.
1: So one final question Alisa, do you envision that many pharmacists will be ordering and administering this? So
0: the cur- for for the current products that are permitted, it involves four subcutaneous injections. That's that that means it's one you've got to have the appropriate room or area for privacy. You have to have the time because after the injections are given, you need to have the patient be there for a, for a certain length of time to watch for adverse events. Um, so I think this is an opportunity not for all pharmacists that we'll take advantage of, but there are a lot of pharmacists in parts of the, the country where these health servants, health systems, are really stressed and they're in dire straits. And we know that this is being already uh, used um, by pharmacists in uh, across the country. Um, and as I said earlier, pharmacists who are also administering the IV route. I think that when an oral therapeutic is authorized, then Pharmacists across the country will be jumping in and using it because it's a, it'll be a lot easier. But for this, it, it provides that opportunity to for pharmacists, particularly in those communities that are stressed, medically underserved communities, rural communities, where the pharmacists can really, really help and jump in.
1: Well, Lisa Bernstein, thank you very much for joining us again. These are very exciting times, lots of changes in the practice of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you. As as a pharmacist, really excited about this and really excited for pharmacists around the country.
1: And that's it for this edition of Locked On Pharmacy. For more information about these and other matters relating to COVID, visit pharmacist.com slash coronavirus. For the American Pharmacists Association, this is your host, Frank Fortin. Thank you for joining us.
0: This podcast has been
1: brought to you by the American Pharmacists Association, the largest professional association of pharmacists in the United States.